0: Welcome to the review crew. It's just after five o'clock West Coast time on a Wednesday night. That means the No Priscinium Review Crew is meeting up to discuss what they've been seeing this week, maybe pick a pick of the week. And this time out in particular, talk about some of the news of the week, which is where we're going to start off. But I'm going to introduce who's in the mix tonight. Uh, to my personal extreme left, virtually, is the LA Reviews crew editor. Uh, say hello. And my co host.
1: This is Kevin Gossett.
0: Forgot that part. Uh, the laughter was that, was that? Who was laughing? Who was laughing? It was me. That is the executive editor of No Persinium. Say hello.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Catherine Yu.
0: Uh, Going over to the East Coast for a moment, our East Coast curator at large.
2: Hi there, everyone. It's Blake.
0: I hope your hand's doing well, Blake. Maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, Oh. And (laughs) uh, and then I surprised him with that one. And our arts editor, who's also here in Los Angeles.
3: Hi, Laura Hess.
0: All right, so we're going to start with news this time out, Punch Drunk tickets. Tickets went on sale today for The Burnt City, which is Punch Drunk's new show in London at the Woolrich uh, Whatchamaboober. I just forgot the name of what it's called. Uh, uh, There's a new arts facility, and it's going to be 100,000 square feet. Everyone got excited. Turns out that's the exact same size as Sleep No More. So we know it's like the same size as Sleep No More. Uh, and the story is, uh, is based off the Trojan War. So there are two cities at war with each other and an immersive exploration of that idea. So reactions to the news, y'all?
1: Don't forget 1920s Berlin.
0: 1920s Berlin yes and and some vibes of uh metropolis the the film metropolis uh that's another critical part and we're gonna definitely circle back on that in a bit so who's blake you've already you've already you're already did you already book a flight you talked about i haven't already
2: booked a flight so uh today has been i've had at least an hour and a half of logistics conversations with my sister to see uh if i can get permission to crash on her sofa uh I was planning on going to visit sometime in May anyway. This has just kind of accelerated the timeline, so we will hear back tomorrow at some point uh, whether or not uh, this is going to happen. So fingers crossed, everybody.
0: All right, and and congratulations for having somewhere to stay while you're in London. That that helps with the cost of the trip in a big way.
2: Oh, definitely. <laughs> if it works, if it works, then this is the only question is whether to see it once or twice
1: wait yeah you're, you're holding back once or twice yes
4: yeah. what about three times four
2: look i'd like i'd love to do three times the thing is i just can't sick that on my sister as someone who hasn't done a punch drunk thing before i'm expecting her to be shell-shocked and exhausted after one. Uh... Oh
1: god oh so you're bringing a newbie I'm bringing
2: a newbie. Hopefully, hopefully I'm bringing a newbie. I'm very excited. Um, The the only other first thoughts that I've had are that I'm 100% following the Achilles and Patroclus track. And I am (laughs) placing like 10 bucks to whoever will take this bet that Cassandra is going to get the uh, Wojciech monologue.
1: Oh, I mean, they freaking love Wojcik. Yeah. Like they go to that well a lot, so yeah. They're
2: gonna get. They're gonna do the same monologue, and my money's on Cassandra for the monologue. Uh, prove me wrong, punch drunk, surprise
0: me. <laughs> All right. Uh, who else? Uh, Catherine. Catherine. How about you? What's uh, What's I'm your vibe? I'm just
1: like swimming in this like future parallel universe, specifically because they've said like you think you know 1920s Berlin, but it's not going to be cabaret. Uh, We're using the music of Bartok as well as Grace Jones. So, given the musical influence and the film influence, and the fact that it is about the Trojan War, like I'm still trying to mentally piece together how all these influences are going to work together. And, you know, will it feel cohesive? Will the center hold? How much of what at least we as Americans love about Punch Drunk is because. A lot of us know Shakespeare and Hitchcock. And I think some of these reference points might be a little bit more, less part of an American education, let's just say.
4: So I think, yes and yes. No, I feel like, I mean, Greek gods and and goddesses and kind of myth are pretty general touchstones, even in America, if it's like less than, than Shakespeare, but maybe those are kind of like equivalent things over here too.
2: Can can we just get a quick show of hands among the review crew who among us had to read the Iliad in high school? Because I thought that was universal.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't have to do the Iliad in high school, but I definitely did uh, both one of them in college. Uh, and I mean, as a theater kid, I had to read a lot of, you know, I had to read a lot of, uh, you know, Greek plays. And there were there was always references and you know we we got a we got a primer on the Trojan War so uh, I kind of feel like we're we're fairly conversant and on the metropolis side uh, you know as anyone who has any film school in them or took a film class, you're sort of by default exposed to that. And we all have the iconography of that movie uh, handed down to us through Star Wars, right? You know, uh, the Android in Metropolis being, you know, the, the model for C-3PO. So there are these, there are these echoes in the culture that are, are, are kind of cornerstones, um, which I think will probably play out, play out just fine. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about people getting lost on that. I do think what something that's interesting is we don't talk a lot about punch drunk as a company who really lean into the art of the remix and the art of remix culture. And this idea of mashing up Shakespeare and Hitchcock mashing up, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, movies from the 1920s and the Trojan War, Bartok and Grace Jones. And yet it's so much a key part of at least their their big works that it, it sort of fascinates me that it's not something that we talk about more, particularly because the whole arc of immersive as something that's accessible to people seems to really rely upon these moments of remixing things.
1: But at but at the same time, they have a show in Shanghai, right? So, and I've brought people to Sleep No More who did not grow up in the United States and they loved it. And later on, I was had to like unpack like, oh, this was a reference to that. This was a reference to this other thing, but just like the sheer experience, like the sensorial aspect, the fact that it felt all encompassing and overwhelming, but at the same time, you could figure out how you wanted to play the world like that all for the right person seems like just as valid an entry point right
4: yeah i think uh, that is like that's one of the big things with punch rock stuff is it's so kind of thoughtfully imagined and produced and put out there that it is I think easy to slide into that world whether you're like familiar with the the touchstones or not like and i think the because it is, especially Sleep No More, is a mostly silent show. It's, it's dance, except for the one the on ones, really. And even then, that's like light talking that it, it can transcend kind of across cultures and language barriers. Like, even if you're not familiar with the material, I think you can find something to kind of hook into regardless.
0: Now, Kevin, when we were chatting earlier in the day, you, <laughs> you, you, you noted something in particular about this, uh, and so I'm wondering, and I'm talking about like the LA connection here. And so I promise people, Burn City gossip, and so I think this is where <laughs> this is where this is what I'm talking about here. So, uh, you want to riff a little on this? I can do some deeper breakdowns, but yeah, so uh,
4: I'll kind of got. Go to how I, how I got to that point. I think it was flipping through one of the articles, or flipping through, scrolling through one of the articles. Um, and it mentioned something about Metropolis. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, this is, that was one of the touchstones when there was rumored they were doing something in LA, was that Metropolis touchstone. And it was like, oh, this is the show we could have had that we blew it on, what, like two years ago um, due to some, some city politics and some stuff around that. I think you probably have more information on that than I do. So
0: yeah, when I saw the initial news, I noted two things one years ago, like, and by years ago, I mean, seven years ago, (laughs) six years ago, when, when I first encountered folks who were working with punch drunk out here, I'd started to hear the, the rumor was that they were really interested in the Trojan war. And there was one point where the rumor going around, and I never reported this out, but you know now the show is going up, so it's a perfect time to talk about this. Um, uh, I never reported this out, but the rumor was that they were looking at having there be two shows, and that would, you know, together would create this Trojan War experience, and there would, that there'd be a show in LA and a show in San Francisco, and that one would be Troy. And the other would be, you know, the, I guess Athens or I guess Mycenae is I think what they're, where they're, they're leaving from in, in the one that they're, they're doing for Burnt City. And um, you, there would even talk of like some kind of like travel experience. That'd be like some kind of premium package. This is at the time when they were experimenting with like punch travel and like, you know, taking people on tours and all sorts of strange things they were, they were trying out. Um, but that was one of the first rumors was that there were going to be two shows and that the reason why we lost, you know, that show in Los Angeles is because they, they had found a space in LA, but they couldn't find a place in San Francisco, right. Which, you know, plays into the rivalry of those two cities and also, um, makes a lot of sense for, you know, seven years ago when, you know space is kind of cheapish in LA compared to SF, but in SF, like you got to be kidding me, like impossible. Then uh, just as late as I think I want to say 2019, I'd have to look in my, in my diary to get like the exact dates.
1: No, it was 2019. I remember because okay. I sent you a text message and you were at without walls that day.
0: <laughs> right. Um There was, uh, so it was 2019 and what had they we we had been talking to people at Punch Drunk who were like on the ground here in LA and there was an article that had gone out, tipped out early, and they hate you know, they they, they hate when something gets tipped out early. Uh that was in, I wanna say it wasn't it was I think it was Curbed or something like Curbed, one of those real estate, you know, related um, you know, blogs. Uh, someone at the hotel, across, like the the grand old hotel across from MacArthur Park in the MacArthur District here in Los Angeles, had tipped out that blog that Punch Drunk was talking to them about doing a show there. This turned out to be true. They had taken it pretty far down the road, but there was quickly like, oh, we're in negotiations, nothing's all working, like no comment at the moment. It's like, okay, wait and see what happened. And then things advanced to there was a planning commission meeting uh, because they had they had gone so far as to like go for permits and there was going to be a show at the hotel. There were permits being you know sought for the bar that would be attached to the show in the hotel. Now that hotel happens to be next door to an elementary school. Uh, the hotel. I believe predates the elementary school because the hotels from like the 1920s or the 1930s, like it's old, right. Uh, it was going to be renovated and redone up. And this, this is, you know, part of like, you know, let's be honest and clear, part of a gentrification effort in that neighborhood, that neighborhood, which is predominantly Latino uh, and borders on Koreatown. So it's a fraught topic. And if you know anything about LA city politics, particularly when it comes to land use and gentrification, like the, this is this is a, a tense thing here in a lot of ways. So you gotta go go delicately. Um there was uh there was that planning commission meeting was called for, and some of the stuff that was being sent into the planning commission, this is the thing that Catherine sent me while I was down at WoW. Uh like the 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 raft of documents included letters being written in that said uh, people from the community writing into the city council members saying um, these shows have nudity in them. Uh, people are wandering around with the actors. Uh, people are going to be drinking. So it's nudity and actors and drinking. This is clearly a brothel. This is going to be a brothel. Ne- like like word, they use that word, right? Like the oldest thing to hurl at actors in the books. This isn't legitimate theater. This is a peep show. And they're going to be these drunk people at a peep show next to a school. Uh, and that had been entered into the public record. And, and
1: they had gone through like every review of the show ever and like excised just the parts where like someone saw a nude actor and compiled it all. So it looked terrible when yeah. you put just those bits together.
0: <laughs> so I... The the planning thing, I think it was like a November a date. I go down to the planning commission on the day it's supposed to happen, and I get into that uh, that room in City Hall. And the first thing I note is like, th- there's some people in there, but like it's it, it's it's a little bit dead. And the only people in there look like there's folks with community. Some ladies brought like six kids with her, so like there was clearly going to be a moment where someone was like, "All you know, my kids. Think of my think kids. Of how, <laughs> think of the children." And and mind you, Punch Drunk, which has Punch Drunk Enrichment, had reached out and said, hey, we have these programs. And in, in the stuff that was written to the city council member, like the, the the neighborhood activist people were like, Oh, we don't want this from these people, right? And let's be clear here at the same time. This is, you know, a company from outside Los Angeles coming in into a building, into a neighborhood that's that's like a lot of LA, you know, threatened to be like, you know gentrified or regentrified, depending on which part of the cycle we're talking about and there's there's lots of complex dynamics here i've watched i've watched p- companies that are not native to los angeles stumble into la and blow it elsewhere but punish Drunk is definitely sensitive to this stuff so we get in there in the planning commission and like i i, I think i'm the only person from like the arts press in the room and like it's five minutes after the meeting is supposed to start. It's 10 minutes after the meeting is supposed to start. And then someone comes in and says, "Like, oh, the meeting's been canceled. They've pulled the permits. they pulled the permit requests. And so then I contact the planning commission and whatnot and say, what does that mean that they pulled the permits? Uh, does, does it mean that things are paused? like, no, they've completely pulled the permit requests. Um, and if they wanted to get this version of what they were doing started, they'd have to start all over. They'd have to start from square one. And they'd sunk a lot of money into it at that point. So at that point, I knew that that version of the show, which was, I'm going to look up the hotel uh, while I'm black.
4: It's the MacArthur.
0: The MacArthur? Yeah. Not the Pan yeah. Pacific? Okay. okay.
1: It's, so like It says that the Performing Arts Center would have been named after Erebus, the god of darkness in Greek mythology. And they were asking for over 2,000 people occupancy.
0: Yeah, so really, just like a totally different kind of scale than than other things we we knew about. And look, they asked for two thousand occupancy. Whether or not they actually put that many people through is another question. But uh, and and that would have been a very large impact on that neighborhood. I mean, those of us who are in Los Angeles think about MacArthur Park and think about putting two thousand people a night through that zone. When think about the
1: parking? Think about There's the parking. No parking.
0: Think about but, you know there there's there's all kinds of dimensions to it, right? But at that moment, that version of it was was dead. Um and so hearing that there's, you know, the Trojan War thing, which we here, hearing about the metropolis stuff, because that was like to Kevin's point earlier, that was one of the things that was rumored about. There was a lot of stuff. Well, it's going to be metropolis themed. And like, they've got these like giant, there are these tunnels under the city. Like there's one point it was talked about how there are these big tunnels under Los Angeles. that They were going to go perform and secure the rights <laughs> to, right? That was my favorite one. And that might even been true. <laughs> right. You know, like, there's these giant tunnels under Los Angeles where Punch drunks putting a show. Um, and each one of these things failed out. Um, does this mean that what is going on in London is definitely what was going to be in LA? Oh, we don't know that for absolute certain, but we know that you know Felix and Maxine have clearly been playing around with a lot of this material. They've been playing around with Metropolis. They've been playing around with the Trojan War for the better part of a decade now. And at some point in that development process... Uh, some of those materials were targeted for Los Angeles and were we, is there a timeline out there where somewhere in the multiverse, there's a 2020 where there's no pandemic and there's a punch drunk show (laughs) in the MacArthur, in in Los Angeles and London doesn't get, and London doesn't get the burnt city uh, because you know, uh, they're too busy enjoying their Los Angeles successes, which which makes grand assumptions, because I also look at 2,000 people a night in Los Angeles, if that was their actual goal, and wondering, could that be sustainable in a city that that doesn't have the kind of... That
1: doesn't go out on Tuesday, Wednesday, you know...
0: The yeah. same way they do in London, the same way they do in New York. So it's a, it's a big question.
4: Well, then I think there's the other... What might have been with the pandemic too? Like, even if that had somehow gotten off the ground, with the pandemic, have just wrecked these plans, anyways. So, to your point, there's there's like oh, yeah. an alternate alternate timeline where this this happens, but it's uh it's probably not this one.
0: Oh yeah, Some, somewhere in the multiverse, everyone's happy. Somewhere in the multiverse, score one. Um, so, <laughs> in my uh... news, I can say
2: that I've been in the neighborhood around the future area. I know there's a really good uh, meat pie shop about a mile away that i'll be it, dining at beforehand
0: mrs limits
2: <laughs> you know you you joke about that but it is that old this is the oldest <laughs> pie shop in london and they sell only pies and jellied eels so oh my god you know, perfect thing to go and then have a belly have full a vet,
1: vegetarian pie Ve- Vegetarian.
3: Yeah. wait blake have you already had a jellied eel I
2: I have not had a jelly deal, and it's a what sincere regret. Have you regret. had a jelly deal? That's why I need to go back.
3: No. Well, that's what I want to know. He, you know, he's oh, okay. he's saying that this is an offering, and I'm desperate to know now. You know, I mean, I guess I could do a Google, but uh...
0: whatever whatever you do, Blake, <laughs> just just don't. Don't get a haircut at the place upstairs. Um, okay. Uh, Wait,
3: before we segue, I actually would like to come back to this mixed tape idea, because I think that's a really elegant and succinct way to encapsulate Punch-Junk's work. I'm, I'm, as you all were talking, I was trying to noodle on, are there other immersive theater examples that use that kind of core philosophy or core creative approach?
2: I mean, you only need to look to Then She Fell. It's Alice yeah. in Wonderland, but make it a 19-teens 19, a 19 asylum.
4: And right, so we've
3: got Third Rail.
4: LA, yeah. you have Speakeasy, who did something similar with Wizard of Oz, uh, more based on the novels, but kind of bring up into like a Dust Belt era kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I'll admit, it almost feels like an easy, immersive game to play. There have been nights, actually, over drinks at the Mandrelay Bar, where me and some friends of mine have played almost like, I think we just refer to it as the Sleep No More game, where we just go, you know, it's X as done through the lens of Y with elements (laughs) taken from Z. Um, It's Aida done as a French New Wave film with elements of the Exodus story, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: what's the best drinking you... game for creators?
3: Yeah, clearly. What's the best one that you remember? Is there one that stood out that you thought? Um,
2: you know, looking back, I feel like we riffed a lot on Greek mythology because they were fun themes to come back to, and everyone kind of knows the cast of characters. I think this was right around when Hades Town was coming out and also the video game Hades. Hades was having a moment. So I think what we settled on was it's Orpheus and Eurydice on the eve of World War II Ooh. as done with, um, you know, a little bit of the music of Wagner and a little bit of the invasive force of some Norse mythological elements in I'm gonna, sort of some of the Nazi esque roles, I'm, that I'm, one was good. We started to spin that one out. It sounded like it could have been a hit.
0: You know what? You know what? I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take your your Orpheus and Eurydice, which I think is a perfect uh, you know help-up for immersive. And indeed, um, um, four larks did uh, one of their <laughs> folk operas of so Eurydice, good. that of, of Orpheus and Eurydice. That was amazing. But at the time they they refer to it as immersive, and like we 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 got into the tussle with it uh, with them on that not a tussle but like you know we 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 clapped back and said like oh, this isn't really immersive and what was nice about that is like they heard that and they would go on to produce some really amazing immersive work and Four Larks is an incredible company and they didn't need to call it immersive because like I was sitting there waiting for like well, when's the immersive part starting and it kept me from watching from engaging with this really beautiful piece of work that said Orpheus and Eurydice, Evil World War II, the music of David Bowie.
2: Oh my god, the end of just her getting dragged back to Heroes, I see it now.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah, I like this game, we'll play it more often. Um, uh, Okay, and in fact, I I can tell everyone sitting down there probably wants to. Oh, Kevin, go ahead.
4: Oh no, I'd say we should do a special edition of the Pod where we all just... uh drink and riff on this idea yeah no, i would 100 percent do a no pro pitch night
0: <laughs> well you know i think that's something that we'd we'd play with the audience it's not it's not necessarily fair to let everyone else like not get in on the game um you know kind of like i mean there's exquisite corpse rumors. we'll do something i uh, i'm in this idea
4: i, I do okay. need to get my very stupid idea out there uh yes. it's in my head note, which is uh cat <laughs> as a uh, 1920s chicago gangsters think on that one
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I, I I can see. Okay, you said cats. You said cats. Yeah, cats. Cats. Okay, cats. Cats. Okay. You know, cats. Cats, but Chicago, basically. You know, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. There, yeah. You know? yeah. Okay. And immersive. I could, I could. I could do that. And immersive. Okay. I can do that.
2: Do you get to drink out of little milk bowls at the yeah. bar of oh, the show? Yeah. You
0: of know, course. they did that at the Alamo Draft House. They did. Do they, I know. Yeah.
2: That's like my biggest regret.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, it feels like we're winding down this section, uh, and we'll lose some, li- we'll some of the live listeners as we wind down the Punch Punchdrunk section. But I actually any- got
2: a bow out, and, and I'm Blake's sorry got a bow.
0: Out. It's all good. Does any but before I before said- Blake does it, does it, does anyone have anything else uh, before we we move on and talk a little bit about uh, one of the pieces Catherine saw this week at Venice?
4: I mean, I think it's just like a, an exciting thing to to see is is Punchdrunk's first like new new like promenade. Immersive style work since what Drowned Man in like 2013, Um, and it seems to be borrowing elements from that with the kind of two cities thing, which I know was part of Drowned Man, the kind of the the Hollywood area and the town. Um, So I think it's just cool. Like even if it is far away and gonna be hard to get to, I think it's awesome to see that they're putting on something new.
2: Kevin, yeah. post-pandemic flights are going
4: to be cheap, I'm already, Kevin. I'm already, I'm already looking at it. Can I crash on your sister's couch?
0: Oblique <laughs> <laughs> uh, sister lives. I'll say out. what. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. If
2: I can't crash on my sister's couch, then uh, we'll we'll do a no-pro backpacking trip together. All right. How does that sound?
0: Let's do it. I would I would love a, a, that that could be that could be good that could be good. Catch you all later. Catch you later Blake. All right, moving on from London to Venice. Catherine uh you caught something that sounds like uh honestly like it's not so much going on. It's probably going to be pick of the week so spoilers everybody. But you caught something in Venice that sounds really kind of incredible. Break it down.
1: So um, it's a piece that I want to say is maybe like 40 minutes long by Blanca Lee, who is a extremely accomplished choreographer, uh, came from the Martha Graham School, has worked with Beyonce, Daft Punk, Coldplay, uh, the Metropolitan Opera, uh, uh, Michel Gondry. And this piece was supposed to be an in-person immersive project there is dance, there is music, and you are supposed to be part of a group of 10 people being ushered along. And so it's like a processional with various characters and things happening and you can like change your perspective. And because they couldn't do the real life show with the 10 audience members and the two professional dancers, they decided to record the whole thing in VR. And so the setup is that you've been invited to a gala. Um, This woman Adele is finally coming home after her travels around the world. Um, There's a partnership with Chanel. So you start out in this avatar gallery and you choose which Chanel costume you want to wear to the gown. And then all of a sudden this elevator door opens and this bellhop looking person, but like beckons you to like come with them. And all of the characters are human from the neck down. And from some of them, you can see like human colored skin where their neck should be. But then they're wearing these whole head animal masks that are metallic and a little bit geometric. So you you start to get like, oh, it's kind of like immersive theater. And they're using a lot of song and dance. And oh my God, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm inside Alice in Wonderland. Or I feel like I'm inside Moulin Rouge. Um, There are so many non-player characters in the ballroom dance scene. Like I just was just standing there and they're not doing extremely complex movements. It's kind of like a waltz, but I'm like, oh my God, it looks like there's a hundred other people in this ballroom. I'm looking down from a platform. The two main characters are behind me and they're dancing. And as they're dancing, you're also hearing dialogue. And it felt like it was inside a musical But the musical was like on wheels. And so you have to like leave the ballroom and then go on a boat and then you're in a garden and then everyone's like, oh, let's get on the trolley and go to Paris. And then you literally like teleport onto a trolley and they take you through a tunnel and then all of a sudden you end up in Paris. And it just felt like something I hadn't really seen before, something that was so singing centric and dance-centric that was supposed to put all this like spectacle around you. Like it really felt like the designers had carefully considered the fact that they wanted it to feel like it was 360 degrees around you and you had freedom of movement. And very similar to Sleep No More or Then She Fell, I had to get out of the way of the dancers a couple times. Now, none of this is live. This has all been motion captured, but it just felt like a really, really great attention to detail coming from someone who like choreography is like Blanca's language right And so the fact that this should have been a live theater show and they've entirely recreated it in VR I think is just really fascinating.
0: Okay so you say all of this was uh, planned out to be an immersive theater piece had they had they rehearsed it all at this point like do you know if they, how far how close they had come to actually making this uh, IRL before they went URL?
1: Um, that I'm not exactly sure of.
0: Okay. Does it? And I tried to go
1: in like blind. And so I was like, all Mm. right, let's see. Um, but there are, there are definitely some things that happen that would be extremely difficult to do in real life. And so Mm. I think, you know, it's, it's tough to figure out what the IRL like bones or roots of it would have been just from going through the virtual one. Uh, for example, after the frog bellhop person gr- grabs you and puts you on his, like, gondola, um, there's a bunch of, I think, cat people playing harps and they're floating in water. <laughs> and and um, there's definitely, like, very... net. Na- it's It really felt like an immersive theater piece to me because every so often the characters would be like, let's all go! Or the trolley's here! Or please get on the boat! And then they would pause long enough as if 10 separate people needed to climb onto a boat so we could get to the next act (laughs) of the musical and i'd be standing there being like i'm here and then after a few seconds okay now we're on our way i'm like oh yeah this is reminds me so much of like the the constant hurting of people when you're trying to get them through like a lot of traversal in a physical piece
0: does it does it wind up feeling kind of lonely
1: because there's no one there and they're doing that Um, the actual traversal parts do a little bit, except Mm. at some point they dropped me off in a maze. And I was like, oh God. And the character's like, follow me. And I was like, oh my God, this really is like immersive theater. And I felt pretty alone in that bit. But when you're in the bigger set pieces, there's just so many other characters dancing and moving around. Like at some point we got into like this old school Hollywood, um, you know what? What with, with the like synchronized swimming numbers, where I looked down, and I was like, "Oh, there's mermaids all around me! What is this? I have never seen anything like this in VR."
0: How? Um, this is this is a standalone. It's because like some of the things you talked about, it almost sounds like it was something that was in VR chat, but this is not a VR chat world.
1: This is not a VR chat world. Um, the current platform is. Viveport, and they did a lot of work i think around the motion capture and special effects because the characters all look so good that Mm. i immediately was like oh this wasn't done like just in engine and it's clearly not volumetric video it has to be something else and Mm -hmm. the love like the attention to detail is pretty astounding because there's just so much going on all the time you know you look up and there's like someone walking a tightrope above you in the garden party scene. Meanwhile, the two characters are like having a fight and you're like, oh no, will the lovers reconcile it? What's happening over here? Oh, it's a dance and there's roses and this is a fountain and things are happening. What's going? So I definitely, uh, I'm probably going to have to go back through it a second time just so I can stop and look around at maybe some of the environments a little more.
4: And Catherine, which one is this in the in your diary again, in the Venice VR diary?
1: Uh, I literally did it this afternoon, okay. and I have not gotten a chance to write it up. But it's Le Bal de Paris de Blanca Lee, and Blanca Lee is um, the main creator on it, the choreographer and dancer who thought up all this stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I'm definitely I'm, I'm glad that uh, Venice is taking place through the 19th. Yes. Uh, do we have any sense of whether or not this is going to be released off the festival circuit uh, afterwards, or is this still the still a circuit piece for now?
1: I think it'll probably be a circuit piece for now, but given that they really wanted to have um, the full body awareness with you know uh, participants and dancers, it sounds like when it's possible to actually try to like stage this in mm. an immersive way. Um, and that would be really cool to have like this, a standalone festival circuit one that you could do wherever you are, but also have like the physical, like
3: actualized version. And you said this was about 40 minutes long? Yes. And so just to clarify, so the um, so, so there are these moments where the, the characters are kind of <laughs> rounding you up. Um, but when you're saying like you want to go back and explore, so is this, I guess I'm just unsure, is this something where you can take as long as you want to explore everything or there is a, a, a kind of rail that you're on within this experience?
1: Oh, yeah, you're definitely on rails. Okay. But I think just so much was happening at once that right. I kind of want to go back in and, you know, that that's the beauty of a lot of this work is instead of facing this way, maybe I'll face a different way or I'll see if like my perspective shifts or try to pay attention to like uh, different details because they are dancing but there's also dialogue and there's a story unfolding and then then there's these fantastical environments where you're like okay a magical fountain ballroom I'm in a lake now now I'm on a train (laughs) hey there's the Eiffel Tower what just (laughs) happened right right okay
0: All right. It's definitely on my list. I think there's, there's so much in Venice right now. Like I, I didn't even realize like how much I went through <laughs> uh, over the weekend. Cause I like you, you put your first three and or three or four up in the diary. Like, like late last night I was like, Oh, I should write some of those. And I wrote three up real quick. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I've seen two others. And so um, there's, there's some, there's pretty good material in there. I mean, I, I say that like I'm surprised. It's it's Venice VR expanded. Of course, it's good material. I think the one that, that surprised me the most um, is a film, uh, Monte Gelato, uh, which is this really nifty, and it's like it's like 30 minutes. I think it's like 28 minutes long. Which when I saw the runtime, I was like, eh, I'll give this a couple minutes see if it's any good. What it is is these these filmmakers have taken like uh, 180 movies that were all shot. Uh, at this one spot at the, the Monte Gelato Falls in Rome. And they've created this kind of living video collage. So you start off with like a scene from one movie and then they, then they kind of gray that out and then slap another scene down that kind of opens up more of the space. And over time, they build a picture of the full 360 degrees of the space. They show you where all the stuff is in relation to each other. Uh, and and yes, there's kind of a culmination at the end. But like always, you're looking at like just just one part of the video is playing, just like the latest video they've got. But like kind of the ghosts of the rest of them are behind you in this collage, or behind that in the collage mode, and it becomes full 360 because they've they've shot movies, all kinds of movies, spaghetti westerns, Roman gladiator movies, like farces, romances, dramas, all kinds of movies all around this one spot. And it's just this really amazing kind of emergent memory of the location. It's almost like the dream of this place in the movies brought to life. And like I said, I started off thinking like, I'll give this a couple of minutes. It's probably going to be boring. And I was like, I was sitting on on my floor and I was like, this is great. I love this. And watch the whole thing. And there's even some cheeky editing in it. You know, like they go on little, there's there's some, uh, you know, movie editing art. uh, uh, They express their voice and their opinion that way. So pretty nifty piece. And something you could literally only do in VR with film. And that's very exciting to me. That like here's something that couldn't exist in any other medium and couldn't exist without this other medium.
1: So uh quick correction so I'm on Blanca Lee's website. So this is supposed to be a 90 minute experience with 35 minutes in VR with three dancers and 10 participants. Mm. So this I guess is maybe just like the middle chapter um but yeah I'm I'm looking at pictures and there's humans in tuxedos and they're wearing gold animal masks and they're dancing and so dang like i would like to see this at some point irl now that i've gotten the taste of the vr version
0: i love that i love that there's these these hybrid uh hybrid projects that are starting to emerge out all right kevin laura anything else on the mind or or things we should be watching out for
3: Yeah, I'll jump in on some um, art stuff that I think is really worthwhile. This was not this past Sunday over the holiday weekend, but there was a single day pop-up in LA. I'm sad that it was just one day, but I also think it's um, a great example of how these pop-up experiences can build on themselves and how they can, um, you know, different companies and artists can come together and support each other. And we don't always have to, you um, I mean, you know, I was about to say like now that we're easing back into um, more in-person events, it's like wow well, with Delta. I don't, I don't know where we are in this timeline and what's happening. But I think that because experiential can be so expensive, um, it is, I think, a really worthwhile opportunity to talk about. Different productions and events that are just one day only or one weekend only, and how that can add a lot of value to communities, and how it can showcase artists in different companies. So there was a um, this pop up was uh, co hosted by two LA based companies, Standard Vision and Vellum LA, and this was to showcase the work of an LA based artist named Maggie West. And Maggie West is um, she's a really interesting artist. She has a mix of it's, it's photography, it's uh, animation. She has digital art that in this case was being presented at the Standard Vision Studios. Uh, she's also done a lot of installation work. And so she has, um, you know, photography editorials that have been featured in major magazines. She's also done a lot of large scale public art installations for nonprofits. Um, she's held benefit campaigns and events for Planned Parenthood. So there's a social impact aspect to her work. And then in this case, um, again, this was the uh, digital side of her work. So what she does, it's incredibly vibrant work. And for anybody who went to Flutter, uh, the Flutter experience in LA before the pandemic, and I don't know if they've reopened.
0: They're, they're I believe they're open again. Okay. I, I drove by them the other day. They have a new sign out front.
3: So her, um, the Flutter experience did not resonate with me, but her room is actually, I think, the standout of the experience. Her room is really beautiful, and um, so she's known for this incredibly vibrant work of um, organic material, flowers and plants, and um, she does actually photograph these flowers, physical flowers, under these really saturated, colorful lights, and then goes in, and they're isolated. There's time lapse. Time lapse photography and they're isolated. And so you wind up having these really, um, for people that know the artist Jennifer Steinkamp, who also does work that's in the same vein, um, or at least in, in the same arena, um, this has more negative space. This is more spread out. There's a different kind of distillation um, with her work that I think is it's meditative in a different way and it's spatial in a different way. Um, and so This wound up so her work was being featured, and um, like I said, this was co hosted by Vellum LA, which is um, in partnership with Standard Vision. And so, Vellum LA is going to be a physical space in LA. I think it's currently slated for this October, and the it, it is a the they promote themselves as LA's first physical gallery for NFT backed digital art. So you can go to this gallery and you can, because the NFT conversation is, continues to be very interesting to me around like, how do you interact with this art? What does it mean to own art um, in terms of displaying it or feeling connected to it, feeling like it's yours? And I think there's a lot of interesting conversations around that. So um, to sort of chart where NFTs may go and how you interact with them and how that continues to innovate Uh, so vellum la will be a hub in los angeles for that and then standard vision is another fantastic company has been around for quite some time and it's a they're they're an architectural lighting design studio is how they describe themselves but i don't think that that really encapsulates their work again it's a it's a real focus on public art and um there's a, if you're in LA, there's a, an installation over at the Beverly center that I highly recommend by an artist named Khalil Joseph. And this is the Webster is the retail space, but this is outdoors. This is available to any pedestrian. You don't have to go during business hours. It's actually much better at night. So this is a lighting installation, uh, lighting and video installation. And there's this real focus on the intersection of architecture and technology, and art, and how do we create more humane, inspiring, creative spaces where we can actually build community. This is something that I feel like, especially in a place like Los Angeles with all the sprawl, we're really lacking that. We're really lacking that kind of, we talk a lot about intentionality in immersive work, and Standard Vision has such an eye on intentionality around that intersection of architecture, tech and art and I think that that's something that as we continue to see hybrid spaces and how we're trying to innovate on that making them more humane and more creative and more inspiring it's so crucial and I think unfortunately it winds up being a, a you know kind of an add-on in so for so many developers and so many tech companies and I think these things really need to be so much more integrated and standard vision really does that.
0: All right. Definitely something to keep an eye on is what's going on at Standard Vision and what Vellum's been up to. There's going to be some level of intersection between sort of our creative world and theirs. Uh, And I know like NFTs are still like this kind of very fraught thing. Um, Right. Anything anything that intersects with crypto and the blockchain, uh, there's just there's just so many questions. Again, anything that intersects heavily with the art market, because that the valuations in the art market are often, you know, they're eye popping. And that's sort of, that's sort of what's going, the the story of this year has been the intersection of the art market with digital art for the first time. And so now it's, it's all kind of coming together. Um, But there's definitely something uh, in terms of some of the tech they're using and, and, Kind of emergent properties of some of the stuff that could be that could be useful. The the NFTs, the, the whole smart contracts part of it is really really fascinating.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: all right. So with that as our notes, uh, I think I know what we're going to do when it comes to pick of the week this week. And of course, uh, you'll <laughs> you will. All of you listening live, you already know all the listening thing. It's pretty obvious. So Catherine and I are going to go re- record a bit, or Kevin and Catherine is going to go record a bit in a second here, uh, and uh, the the rest of you, uh, we will who are hanging around right now, uh, we will see you uh, in the not too distant. Maybe uh, go hang out in the cafe, and uh, we'll be back before you know it. Until then, uh, for the review crew, I'm Noah, and this is No Persinium, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening.